Nurturing Immunity, Holistic Approaches for Vibrant Health. Welcome to Wellness Wisdom, the show where we dive deep into health and well-being topics that matter. I'm Shannon Spears, and today we're exploring a topic that affects us all, our immune system. Joining me are five colleagues who, like myself, are holistic health coaches, each bringing their own unique perspective to this roundtable discussion. Together, we're going to unravel the complexities of our immune system and shed light on holistic approaches that go beyond conventional methods. Get ready for an eye-opening and thought-provoking conversation that could transform the way you think about your health. As a quick disclaimer, just want to remind everybody we are not licensed medical professionals, so the discussions that we share in this podcast and the information we provide for you and the resources is to be used for educational purposes only. Any health, nutritional, and lifestyle changes you make should be discussed with your doctor first. All right, so let's start by talking about the immune system. Um, it's to go over a brief overview. Our immune system is like our body's defense mechanism. Um, it's crucial for safeguarding our health, but why is it so important and what does it do? So the immune system, what, let's, let's just give an overall view. What is the immune system? The immune system is a complex network of cells and organs and defense against harmful invaders. And I like to think of it as your front door to your body. Um, you've got, let's call it a bouncer outside, hopefully, and you've got a good lock on your door and some, you know, cameras around. And when all of that is working in a cohesive way, you've got a high functioning immune system. When one of those pieces kind of falls out or the batteries run out or the bouncer doesn't show up to work, you've got issues with your immune system. And then it, there's a trickle down effect of the fact that your immune system's under attack or is low and things come along and take advantage of you. A great analogy. Absolutely. What are some of the organs that are involved with our immune system? There's a lot of cells that your body has in it. Um, you're working with your spleen and your lymph nodes, which your lymph nodes, if you want to envision those, they're like a septic tank. So if you have well water or you're on a septic system, you have a septic tank buried somewhere around your house. That's what the lymph nodes are in our body. And they're located in all kinds of different places and groups in our body. But when that lymph node gets full, like a septic tank gets full and the flow isn't happening, that's when disease. It's a, like a breeding ground for disease. So your lymph nodes are a huge part of it. You've got different types of blood cells, T cells, cells that engulf things. I'm sure you learned in biology in high school, but there's a lot of different parts to your immune system, like your spleen and your thymus that have to be working like a concert for everything to be flowing in your system. Okay. So what, let's talk about the primary function. So we all know we have an immune system, right? But some people may not be aware of what the primary function of our immune system is. We just know it's there. And it is there to work on infections. One of the things that the immune system is working on is it's tagging things. It's looking for viruses, bacteria. It's looking for parasites, um, which a lot of people don't want to hear about, but that's right. all in us. Reality. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeast, which is also known as candida. So it's constantly kind of in surveillance mode. Uh, looking for things in your system that come in through the way we breathe, what we take in, water and food, through our skin. There's all kinds of different things that our body's looking for to keep us healthy. 
and to kind of sound the alarm. So we're really looking at our immune system. It's our first line of defense, whether it's our things coming through our skin, we're breathing things in into our lungs, um, the things that we're eating. It's really kind of being that soldier recognizing and eliminating those things that aren't supposed to be there, right? Well, there's so many different components of our immune system. And obviously they all have to come together for a coordinated response, right? So really, when we think about it, our immune system, if we don't have that coordinated response, here's where infection sets in. Here's where things like autoimmune disorders set in, right? Because that's really autoimmune. It means our immune system is just running on autopilot. It doesn't really know what it's doing. It's trying to kill anything and everything that's in here. So we go from one level to a next level and it can happen very quickly um, when things are ignored, right? So all in all, it's a very intricate defense network that's within our body and we all need to pay attention to it. So this is why we're really here today to help everybody understand the ins and outs but to put it in layman's terms, so all of you listening and watching this can understand and know, and know what may be triggering it in your daily lifestyle, the things that you can do to help support and boost your immune system. So let's move on and um, go to another organ um, that has a big play in our immune system, and that is gut, gut health, your digestive system. So a significant portion of our immune system actually resides in the gut. It's about 80%. And let's talk a little bit about why it's the cornerstone of our immune health. Yeah, all of your, your microbiome, you know, people think of gut health and then the microbiome, those are two different things. Sometimes they get a little confused, but the microbiome is all of the uh, bacteria in your gut, either pathogenic or beneficial, um, that are... Um, again, messengers, you know, that are, are listening to what's going on and helping to um, boost your immune system. Um, it's very important to keep that balance in, in check so that you can um, have, a, have a good immune system. So what are some of the things in our gut that affect this? So, you know, we have all heard of probiotics in our microbiome, right? But do we just have one strain of... Oh, no. <laughs> probiotics and things like that on a microbiome is it you know just as intricate as the whole entire network like what are what are the some of the things yeah. that go on there are thousands of uh different strains of bacteria in your gut and they all have different jobs um some of them help to build up your um mucus layer in the gut and some help to fight off other bacteria and then they actually feed off of each other so um, there's actually they create metabolites which feed other bacteria so it's a very complex system um, some of the most important you probably heard of you know lactobacillus or bifidobacterium those are two of the most common uh, strains of probiotics that you've probably heard of um, there's actually a recent study showing that the lack of bifidobacteria uh, is directly related to uh, more severe illnesses. So I think it's really important for you to know um, that your bifidobacteria is um, in, in the right place. You have enough bifidobacteria. If not, you can supplement with that to, to increase that and to protect yourself from getting sick. Okay. So let's talk about that um, in the realm of illness, right? So when we are sick, the first thing that the doctors do, if it's a bacterial infection, they give us antibiotics. 
And, you know, so we know that we have, obviously we have good bacteria in our microbiome, in our gut. That's what we want to build up our immune system. But when we have to have an antibiotic, that's a bad bacteria that's kind of gotten overwhelmed. It's, it's overwhelming the good bacteria. But what happens when we do get that antibiotic, you know, because now we're wiping out not just the bad bacteria, it will wipe out all of the bacteria. So when we think about the word antibiotic, antibiotic, so it is against all of the probiotics and the good bacteria and the bad bacteria that are living in your body. So how important is it to make sure that we are taking extra steps to rebuild all of that? Yeah. If you are prescribed antibiotics, you know, I would always do that as a last last case scenario. But if you are prescribed antibiotics, um, definitely you want to try to take a probiotic opposite of the time that you're taking antibiotics just to protect the good bacteria that are in your gut. Um, but yeah, it is very common that uh, doctors are actually recommending probiotics nowadays with antibiotics. So thank goodness for that. And the, and the other thing that people need to kind of realize is that it's this way beyond a gut biome microbiome you've got one in your mouth you've got one in your brain you've got one in your skin you've got it all they're multiple and they all communicate and send messages to each other so the person that's gargling in the morning every morning thinking that they're gonna wipe out all the bad guys in their mouth is actually doing their their oral microbiome a disservice because there's good bacteria in there too. So there's a balance and going in with, you know, a blowtorch to your body to get rid of a lot of things is really, you know, can be detrimental because you're really upsetting the apple cart with balance. And that's balance is where your health is at. That reminds me of one other thing. A lot of people think of natural antibiotics. A lot of people take oregano oil, for instance. It is just as detrimental to your microbiome as an antibiotic prescribed by your doctor. So be very cautious with that as well. And I think this is where we run into, you know, we're getting to that antibiotic resistant type of infections and because we have taken a blowtorch effect to everything. We get a little sick, even if we don't have a, a bacterial infection, you know, we think an antibiotic is going to make us feel better. So we beg our doctor doctor for that antibiotic. And at this point, it's just become overkill. So good information on that. So before we move on, let's pause and consider for a moment, how might a stronger emphasis on gut health revolutionize our approach to the immune system support, whether it be in holistic medicine, allopathic medicine, you said, you know, you mentioned that probiotics are starting to be prescribed by more doctors. So let's just take a, a minute to kind of paint a picture for everyone that what that could look like, you know, if we're taking that route rather than just focusing on wiping everything out. I think when you think about your gut, you've got, you know, coming into your home, like we talked about earlier, you've got your first, you know, your front room and your gut is your front room, right? And when you've got a lot of holes in your gut from insults, from toxins and processed foods and even stress and mental health issues and that kind of stuff, you've got a leaky gut or holes in your system, you're going to be letting that in. And one of the things a bone marrow does is it actually sends, uh, makes immune cells and it sends it to your gut to be trained. And so if your gut is leaky, you've got processed foods, you're, you're really training your immune system on a very um, janky kind of foundation if your gut's right. you know, not in a good shape. So that would be one of the first places I'm sure we would all start with our clients is what, what's, what's going on in your gut before we move out to the other issues that they have. I was going to say, you also have to be very careful with um, 
glyphosate as well because they have been shown to actually kill the good bacteria in your gut. Right, absolutely. And you know, and this is where Bobby, you mentioned, you know, the replication of the cells, right? Like we are replicating cells every second of every day, and if those cells are unhealthy, that's what they're being replicated as. They're not being taking our body's not taking an unhealthy cell and turning it into a healthy cell. You know, it's just going to keep replicating that unless we give it the support it needs to start creating more healthy cells, then it's going to start replicating more healthy cells than it is unhealthy. So, um, well, that leads into kind of the next thing of, you know, weakening our shields. Um, and what are the top five immune underminers? So, all right, so I'm just going to go kind of quickly through this list. There's a list of five things that undermine the immune system, and then we'll come back and talk about them. So smoking and excessive alcohol consumption, poor food choices like processed foods and sugar and choosing things that aren't organic and have pesticides in them. Chronic stress is a big one, a lack of sleep and a sedentary lifestyle. So as well as our mental health connection. Um, which really falls into stress as well. So let's talk about, um, does anybody have any thoughts on smoking, excessive alcohol consumption, especially this time of year, you know, we're having Thanksgiving and Christmas and get togethers and everything. I think we all probably can agree, even the people listening and watching that smoking is not your friend. Your your lungs have to filter that right away. You know, it doesn't matter what you're smoking, it's it still has to filter it. But when it comes to alcohol, I think a lot of times, especially at the holidays, there's a lot more opportunities to take in alcohol and socially. And sometimes people can lose track of how much they're actually drinking at those events. But the thing, if you go to the root of why alcohol is not your friend, is that your liver, which is your master detoxifying organ, has to process that alcohol first before it processes any of the other nutrients that you took in that evening or at that event. And it's really slowing the liver down to be able to absorb all of the nutrients from the food because it's trying to get rid of the poison, we'll call it what it is, in the system that you put in. So anytime you're wanting to work on your health, alcohol is not really your friend. It's like pouring gasoline on the fire. Absolutely. I think we tend to think about, you know, a lot of people have heard the liver can regenerate itself and it can, it can regenerate itself in 90 days. Right. But if it's unhealthy, it struggles to do that. Like your liver is constantly trying to repair itself. So if we keep bombarding it, it never has a chance to do that. And that's why a lot of people, even now, like we have the non-alcohol related fatty liver you know, because we're bombarding it with environmental toxins, toxins in our foods and stuff like that. So someone who's not an alcoholic or doesn't drink a lot of alcohol can have the same issues health-wise as someone who is an alcoholic. So really important to remember that liver. And so, also that the, the sugars in Gatorade and things like that, those mm -hmm. are very bad for the liver. The fructose. Yeah, yeah, high fructose corn syrup. Mm -hmm. yep. And that's why we're seeing more. That's why we're seeing more of it in children. We're seeing mm -hmm. non-alcohol fatty liver disease in children as young as eleven. You know, because of all the sugar in the foods, processed foods that they're eating. Yep, and that leads into the next thing, which is you know processed foods, our poor food choices. So let's kind of dive in to that. You know, we have kids who have sugary snacks and processed foods like Lunchables and things like that in their lunches for school or processed foods that come from a can or a freezer if they're eating lunch at school. And that's just a bombardment of that sugar. Our liver is the first place to process that sugar. It has to transfer it into glycogen. It has to be ready for when the pancreas needs that 
insulin and, and everything to kind of balance out the roller coasters that our kids and ourselves are putting our, our bodies through. And it will hit a point where it just it can't keep up quick enough. And if it can't, if it doesn't have any place for that glycogen to go, if it doesn't have any place to expel it to, it's going into fat cells. That's where we get our, our middle from is that's where all that extra stuff is stored, whether it's toxins, um, stuff that the liver's overburdened with, you know, so. So yeah, but, so a nutrient dense, well-rounded diet is going to support the immune system and it's actually going to allow your body to function properly. But if you're eating an ultra processed diet, that's very low in nutrients, your immune system's going to suffer. So eating that bag of chips, that box of cookies or cereal that you think is really healthy in the morning for breakfast um using refined oils when you're cooking eating conventional produce meaning it's sprayed with the glyphosate you know the different pesticides these are all going to contribute to an impaired immune system so taking small steps to change your food choices each day is going to have a huge impact on your overall immune health absolutely and i think it's important to let our listeners know too that in talking about foods and healthy foods no one is perfect None of us up here are perfect. We, we never tell our clients that we are, right? But health, it's, it's important to have that 80-20 or that 90-10. Our family during the summer will do spring and summer. It's like that 80-20. Um, but during the winter time, when we really need our immune system at its best, we do that 90-10. So 90% healthy, 10% being able to allow ourselves, allow our kids to kind of have that treat go off track a little bit. Um, and it really makes a difference when it comes to the winter time frame. When you're eating eating out too at restaurants. Yes. So that's where the, the 10%, the 20% can come in where you can get out and enjoy yourself a bit. And, and it's also, you don't have to go 100% organic. You know, don't forget about the dirty dozen and the clean 15, which is on the EWG website. Mm -hmm. um, there are, you know, there are, there are some produce items that are more heavily sprayed than others. And those are the ones that you should first try to get organic first and foremost. So yeah, take that into consideration as well. Yes. One of the things I like to bring to the table when I'm working with my clients is that once you bring into an a, a awareness, just being present and aware of and pre-planning, like whether it's a party or a busy weekend, whatever it is, you have choices all along the way. When you back yourself into a corner because you're so busy, you didn't shop, you didn't think ahead to pack even just water to go out of the house with, then you're leaving yourself at a disadvantage because you're basically at the mercy of what's around you, what restaurants you choose to go to. Um, I used to laugh at my husband would be like, well, where are we going for for dinner and he would look up the menu ahead of time and i remember thinking you know you that interested in your meal and he's like no i just want i want to be able to go there and enjoy my choices and know what i'm going to have and, and and make it easier you know because you've already right. pre-planned it and so just becoming more aware that you have a choice you know mm -hmm. can be a, the first step that a lot of people need to realize is that you don't have to go with what you've always done if you change one little thing each day or for the week you'll be much further ahead at the end of the week. So that leads into chronic stress, especially this time of year, you know, in the winter, we have so many things that are going on. We have the holidays coming, we have family coming in, family leaving, you know, we have kids that are home on vacations here and there. Um, so 
what are some thoughts on chronic stress and how it affects our immune system? I think I would have to say if I were to pick one thing that I would work with somebody on right away when they came to me with either really a lot of inflammation, chronic conditions, extra weight, things like that, I would really dive into what's your lifestyle like? Do you have any downtime? Do you give yourself space? Do you monitor your sleep? Um, you know, the different things that you can do. Do you have a breathing practice? Do you have any time in the day that you're not on um, a screen or something where you can stop and take five minutes, start with five minutes to yourself? And I'm not talking about like having to do anything, but just be still because Anytime your system, your nervous system and your immune system are like sisters and they talk to each other all the time and they send messages back and forth. And when your nervous system is hijacked and you are running on the hamster wheel that we all have during our day, your immune system, it's, there's no way it can keep up because your body's so far into the fight or flight, the cell danger response, which is basically your cells are feeling your energy and your stress and they downregulate things that they don't necessarily need at the time, but that can be your immune system, unfortunately gets compromised from that. Absolutely. And I'm glad you talked about, you know, as far as the connection between the nervous system, you know, because our nerve, our neurotransmitters that feed our nervous system, right? They're created in our gut. Mm -hmm. And we just talked about how important it is to keep our gut healthy because that's where our immune system lives. And replicating cells, if we have lazy neurotransmitters in our gut because our gut is unhealthy, our immune system is down, then the neurotransmitters that are going to get replicated are going to be lazy. And this is what adds to the chronic stress that we are already going through. This is why we have a lot of things like depression and anxiety that happen during the holidays because we've lost the ability to regulate because the, the root cause is going on in our gut and our immune system is really down. And it's just having that cascading effect throughout our entire body. All right. Lack of sleep. Definitely lack of sleep has a lot to do. I'm sure anybody watching and listening knows you know, you're functioning like a zombie when you don't get enough sleep. Um, you know, so it's very, very important. And even those people who think they can get by with just doing four hours of sleep, you really do need more than that. There are the occasional, literally 0.5% of the entire human race can function on three to four hours of sleep genetically. That, that genetically they are predisposed to that. So, you know, I just went through this with my husband. I've been telling him for quite a while, he's a truck driver, you need more than four hours of sleep. You have got to get sleep. And it literally wasn't until someone on a podcast told him, hey, you need at least eight hours of sleep that he decided to try it, right? And it's amazing the nights that he gets eight hours of sleep, the mood that he has the next day, you know, his eating habits and what he's craving and not craving the next day are completely different from the days when he's only getting three and four hours of sleep when he's on the road. So it is a huge difference. Um, I don't know if anybody wants to add anything to that. I want to meet those three to four percent that can do that. Right? I, 0.5 percent. What at 0.5? Okay, excuse me. I want to meet those people because I, I, I don't know. I've never met anybody like that, I have to say. Um, I don't think it's real. I mean, I really don't. I feel like even though they feel like they're functioning, their body is taking that hit somewhere, somehow. 
you know, just the way the body's designed. I mean, they may say that they can function, but I just, I don't buy it. I think that at some point they're, they will break. (laughs) They will hit a wall and they will break um, because the body's designed to rest. That's our time to restore and repair and replenish. And we can't do that if we're not getting that optimal sleep. So it is vital. I um, purchased last summer, I actually got a gift. Um, It's an aura ring. And um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, but it will give you stats about your sleep and a bunch of other things. And it's so insightful. It's crazy when you get up in the morning and you can look at your sleep score and it tells you how much deep sleep and how much REM sleep you got. It tells me when my heart rate got the lowest, which should be somewhere in the middle of the night, not right before you wake up. And it also monitors your heart rate variability, which is the actual health of your nervous system and how resilient you are. And that once I got that and I started to see like real time data, that's why I was like, oh my gosh, I have really got to stop doing these couple days a week where you're just a night owl and I've got extra energy and I'm going to go ahead and throw in laundry and do all these other things right before bed and delay my bedtime, even, even 30, 40 minutes. It, it does. It makes a huge difference, especially when you start to see the data. That's yeah. one of the things I was going to suggest is setting your alarm clock for your bedtime, not necessarily your wake up time, because yeah. it's really important important that you go to bed at the same time every night. Absolutely. Yeah. Circadian rhythms. So important. And people say, well, they're different for everybody, but you know, those I have noticed. So one of my sons works third shift and he genetically like from day one, 830 on any given day, doesn't matter where he was, who was around. If there was a party going on, that kid was asleep at 830 every single night. And so watching him transition to third shift, I mean, he has struggled. He's been working third shift for almost a year now, and he still struggles because that's just not right for his body. You know, he, and he feels it. He gets sick more often now um, because his immune system is down. So, and he works in a freezer cooler. So, you know, it's, it's very, very difficult. So even those people who think, well, I'm used to it because I've been working third shift for five years and my body's used to it. It's, it's really not. It's, you know, if, if your body is set up for the circadian rhythm of most humans, I mean, it's, that's what it needs to follow. It's not just going to flip because now you're working when the sun's going down and going to bed when the sun's coming up. What about sedentary lifestyle? So sedentary means that we are sitting and we are in a society right now where there's a lot of office jobs. um, There's a lot of traveling. So we're sitting, going to and from things, you know, everybody, instead of walking or riding a bike, like they used to all these different short areas, you know, they're taking a car, they're taking a train, they're taking a bus, right? Um, Not getting out during our lunch period. So let's talk about how a sedentary lifestyle really is not healthy for our immune system? Well, oftentimes people don't know that sitting is called the new smoking. There's a really big big impact there. They've done a lot of studies on that to show that. And uh, it's pretty prominent. And um, so basically it can weaken the immune system, making people more susceptible to illnesses and infections. And uh, on the other hand, regular exercise supports a healthy immune system response while inactivity can hinder the body's ability to fend off virus and viruses and bacteria, right? So over the past couple of years, we've heard a lot about viruses. How can you not, right? Right. Um, So also having inactive lifestyle can be one of the causes of many chronic diseases. And there's so many, there's obesity, heart disease, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, stroke, metabolic syndrome, 
type 2 diabetes, certain cancers, osteoporosis, and falls, right? So hmm. along with that, not only because you may be having some of those health conditions already, but you know, you, you'll have increased feelings of depression along with those, right? So it's just, it's just a double whammy. And so it's important to note that the immune system is really complex. There are many factors that contribute to it, right? And then, but just know there is a way through that. And that is getting back into physical physical activity. And if that's something that someone has not been able to do for a while, no worries. You can get right back into it. You can incorporate those sort of uh, movements in your into your day with a functional type of movement. For example, if you're at work, and I, I found this funny as I was thinking about it, uh, you are on coffee break during work and you do lunges towards the coffee station. <laughs> and so maybe some of you will follow suit. You never know. So you set a good example. You start feeling good. Uh, you can also do uh, some arm raises, uh, arm circles. You can flutter your legs at your desk. There's so many things you can do that don't require any sort of equipment and take merely seconds to do. And so that will build on itself, right? So you have these little tiny habits and they start to build on one another as you start feeling better. Oh, I can do this now. I feel better because I've been doing that. It's just, I just want people to take heart in knowing that there is a way to uh, address inactivity and improve their overall health. Yeah. And as far as, go ahead. Sorry there. I, you know, I was going to say, Jane, like as far as doing the workouts, you know, like workout, you know, on your lunch break, I mean, it yep. really does yep. boost your brain as well. Yes, absolutely. It helps absolutely. your back. It helps, you know, when we're mm -hmm. sitting so compressed all the time, you know, that's why people are having hip pain, hip, more hip pain, more joint pain, more back pain, you know, because of that lifestyle of sitting at our desk all the time. So, you know, you're getting the body, but you're also getting those brain benefits as well. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. The circulation's being impacted in a positive way. Therefore you're thinking more clearly. If you're thinking more clearly, you're more likely to do your job in a better way. So that's definitely a great point. You know, as we have kind of reflected on going through these underminers of the immune system, let's, let's, we've talked a little bit about why are these things so prevalent in our society today, right? In our society, I see a lot of, and I know a lot of you do as well when we look at it, is it's a push to keep going and to stay busy, 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 right? And so that kind of a thought process as a society um, in a whole, it doesn't give us the opportunity to really stop and think. We just do, we just go. Um, we worry about what other people think. We worry about, you know, getting that promotion. We worry about being the first person to get something, to finish something. And I think it's really important to notice outwardly when we're looking at this before we make changes to see how that is personally impacting us. You know, is it the, what we're around? Like, what are the discussions that are going on? What is, what are the discussions and the things that are constantly bombarding us from a TV that maybe we're watching or the radio that we're listening to or conversations going on within our friends group? And, and how is that impacting us? You know, is it, I know I don't want to go, I know I need to take a break from, um, you know, having some drinks this month. I want to kind of take the, the month off, but then my friend's like, Hey, let's, let's go out for a drink. On, on at the corner bar down here and let's just kind of relax a little bit is that kind of a pattern that we see right that we just kind of fall into is there a pattern of like you said michelle we're so used to just 
go, go, go. We've got some energy. So we're going to cram everything we can into this time frame that we have. Maybe we have a deadline we have to meet. Or maybe, you know, we're looking forward to um, a celebration that's at the end of that. We just, we don't, everything else goes out the window. We just, we're fiery focused on that. So our society as a whole has not helped the line of thinking to support our immune system. And as we move forward a little bit, we're going to talk a little bit more about what that can look like to really take a step back from what society pushes on us and how we can change our thought process into really advocating for ourselves and making sure that we are taking responsibility for our health. So with that said, um, let's kind of move on a little bit. So we have um, been talking about some of the ways that we can switch these underminers, these immune system underminers, mm -hmm. right? Um, so let's talk a little bit more about a couple other immune boosters um, that um, we can help boost our immune system with. So obviously healthy food choices, right? Uh, regular movement. So we've talked quite a bit about regular movement, um, adequate sleep. We just talked quite a bit about, and then we're also going to talk about understanding the difference between stress perception and stress management, um, and then hygiene and supplementation. So real quick, you know, healthy food choices. We've talked a little bit about, um, does anybody have anything else that they want to add to that? Yeah. So when we're looking at things that are going to boost our immune system, what can we do? We already talked about how a bad diet, Diet, right? Bad choices can affect your immune system. So if you focus on eating whole foods, number one is really important. So focus on eating the rainbow, I like to say, um, of the fruits and veggies out there, right? Mm -hmm. Cut back on your sugar. So if you're craving sweets, rather than going, I want to make a batch of cookies right now, which I've been known to do, because I'm not perfect, right? Guilty. Make a smoothie, right? Maybe we can do that sometime when we do it, when we do these, we can all have like smoothie day or tea day or whatever, healthy teas, but idea. yeah. So if you're craving something, make that smoothie. I went through major sugar addiction, chocolate obsessed for so long and something, I can't remember who I was following. Not that I'd never had a smoothie before. I'd had smoothies plenty of times, but when I started really focusing on that and getting away from that fear that, oh my gosh, fruit's bad, it's sugar. I started making tons of fruit smoothies with greens in them and other things, but that still had that sweet taste to it and it solved my problem. And literally you guys, I, when I was always having chocolate, I would go weeks without it after that. It was crazy. So anyway, that was a massive change for me, but back to my, um, my list of things. So cutting back on oils, like I said, oils, you know, we all hear, oh, there's good oils and bad oils. Well, even the good oils, it, it's better. They're not, they're processed, right? They're not a whole food. So I like to say, rather than thinking that you're going to douse your salad instead, have the avocado instead. You know, there's so many dressings that you can make for your salad that are oil free, that are just made with like tahini, you know, stuff that's, you know, less processed than the oil. I mean, sure, tahini is still a paste, but I still think it's a better choice than an oil, you know, vinegars, different things like that. So um, you also want to eat good fats. So your, your nuts, your seeds, your olives, your avocados, of course, um, your fatty fish, your eggs, those are all going to be better choices. And then instead of eating that bagel sandwich for your carbs at lunchtime, you want to choose healthy whole food based carbs. So your brown rice, your quinoa, um, potatoes, sweet potatoes, beans, those are all going to do your body good um, when it comes to your immune system and overall health, right? So um, we also talked about pesticides. Pesticides, um, 
are going to be mainly on conventional produce, though I think a lot of us have heard nowadays, we know that organic produce isn't the best either, and that there's sneaky little pesticides that are getting in and approved and still being sprayed on these organic fruits and veggies. So right. when you're shopping, if you don't already know this, there's a little sticker that's on all your fruits and veggies. The fruits and veggies that are organic are going to have five-digit sticker that starts with a nine. So look for that. And then the conventional are going to have four digits. And just eating organic is going to be your best option if you want to avoid the chemicals that are sprayed on your food. It's not going to be perfect, but you're going to have a better um, end result when it comes to your immune system. Absolutely. Absolutely. And to that, we are hearing more and more now about the appeal, which is the coating that they're starting to put on fruits and vegetables. Um, and this is something that I don't feel, and I know the rest of you don't feel that they're being very transparent about. And when you go to the FDA website, you'll see, um, you know, their explanation of it, of what they allow, what they don't allow. Um, but there have been findings that it's not completely 100% true. So it's really best to avoid that. You can actually ask your stores, your grocery stores, if they are allowing shipments of fruits and vegetables that have the appeal coating on them. Some of them will label them. I've seen some grocery stores, they will have a sign in the produce section saying we do allow appeal, wax coating, whatever. Um, and so stay away from those. If you don't see it posted, just ask somebody. You may have to go up you know, the corporate ladder a little bit to find out, um, but ask more than likely if they do it, allow it for one or two fruits, more than likely they're allowing it for all of them. Um, eventually across the board. So that's just your cue to start looking at other options for buying your fruit and produce, like things like farmer's market. There's farmer's markets during the winter. Obviously, you're not going to get a lot of fruit, but you're going to get a lot of your vegetables there, those cold weather vegetables during the winter at farmer's markets and things like that. So um, in learning to grow your own as well, you know, there's things like towers that you can grow um, with a, whether it's with hydroponics or with soil in your home now, it's a little bit of an expense, but it's so worth it to know exactly what is on your food and what's not on your food. And they're space saving. So even if you have an apartment, it's an option for you. Regarding the appeal, um, I have looked into this quite a bit and still don't really have an answer, but I'm hearing that they aren't necessarily requiring that everything have a sticker, that it may be a sticker on the produce but it may also be a sticker on the box that it arrives right. to the store in. Right. So, I mean, there's there's all this uncertainty. So you really need to be careful right now yep. till we find out more about what's going on. All right, so let's talk a little bit about, um, we've talked quite a bit about um, sleep, getting adequate sleep, the circadian rhythm. Um, so uh, let's also talk about understanding the difference between our stress perception and what we've all been taught, and that's stress management. You know, stress management to me is like trying to corner a bunch of toddlers and make them stay there. Like, it's not going to happen. You can think you're managing your stress all you want. It's not happening. Whereas perceiving the stresses that are around you is much different. You can... Let's take that corner with the toddlers again, <laughs> you know, and you can either be driven crazy by the toddlers and they're drawing on the wall and they're screaming and they're running around like chickens with their heads cut off or and you can you can get irritated and it can cause you anxiety. You could think you you have to get this under control and oh my goodness, what am I going to do? Or you can take a step back, take a deep breath and look at it and go, they're being kids. I'm glad they're having fun. 
you know, they're getting along with each other, they're having fun, they're experiencing life as a child should, you know, how can I jump in and help them out? I'm going to show them, you know, some other pictures that they can draw. Let's put some paper up on the wall and draw on the paper, you know, just things like that. We're, we're changing the perception of the stress that is in front of us. So it's in more of a positive light than in a negative light. And I want to talk a little bit about how that falls into play with our stress as far as our parasympathetic and our sympathetic. So who wants to kind of jump in and and talk about that? Well, yeah. So our sympathetic uh, response is where we are in that fight, flight, or freeze. And we've all been there. And that's okay. That's a good thing. You know, our body was designed to do that. Like we are being chased by the lion or the bear, right? We are going to, you know, gear up and we are going to um, have those endorphins flooded. Our cortisol is going to shoot up through the roof. And that's okay. The problem is we're living there. Often we're living in that sympathetic stress response where we are constantly in fight, flight, or freeze instead of the parasympathetic, which is rest and digest. It's okay to be in that stressful situation, but we need to be able to get out of it. And so when we are not, when we are like living in that fight or flight or freeze, then that greatly affects our adrenals and it affects our mental health. It affects our physical health. And it just really greatly affects how we are perceiving the stress that's in front of us as well, like you were saying, Shannon, because if we are constantly under that stress and that pressure, then it's it's going to be built up to a bigger thing than it really is. And going back to sleep, adequate sleep where our body's able to rest, if we're not getting that, it's heightening. Everything is so much worse when we're not getting enough sleep. And so it just makes it that much harder for us to look at our stressful situation in a different way, just looking at it differently. One thing to piggyback on to what you said, Michelle, is if we're dealing with a chronic health condition or you're treating, uh, let's say you have cancer and you're in, in treatment or you're, you have a toxin load that you're trying to unload parasites, heavy metals, you know, autoimmune, all of it, we'll call it just chronic disease. The body cannot heal itself when it's in the sympathetic driving mode, it has to be in that parasympathetic mode that you're discussing, the rest, digest, relax, and feel safe. And the safety piece of it is probably the biggest linchpin of it is if your body isn't in that place, you can pour all of the supplements, drink the best whatever and best water, you know, all of that kind of stuff, take all kinds of things. Your body's not going to be able to be in it's like putting, you know, diesel gla- gas in a regular unleaded car. It's not going to go. And actually, it's going to be damaged inside by trying to do that. So the more you can have time in your day, whatever you choose, especially before bed, like the hygiene, the sleep hygiene that they talk about, winding down, turning things off, um, letting your body know, like, I'm getting ready to go to sleep. It's so much easier for your body to drop into a sleep state, which is where your body drains. That's when your brain drains. That's when your lymphatic system is working. That's when your liver is detoxifying. All of that happens while you're sleeping. And if you went to bed already still at, you know, agitated, not regulated in a sympathetic kind of dominated state, there's not a lot of healing and refreshment that's going to happen to your system. Absolutely. hundred percent. Yep. And I live that too. So well, yeah. everything you were saying, so right. Yeah. I think we've all, <laughs> we've all been there. 
Yeah. And it's true because you can eat clean and you can supplement, but if you do not get out of that stressful situation, if you don't get out of that state of living, right, in in that um, par- uh, sympathetic stress response, then it's it's to no avail. You're still going to be struggling. You're, you need to heal. You need to step back and rest, like you said. Yeah. I mean, that's why we have bedtime for kids. Read stories, take a bath, relax. Yeah. You don't just throw them in bed, right? Because they'll just keep coming out, coming out until they get their parasympathetic hit, right? Yeah. And then they'll finally go to bed. So the other, the next thing that we, we need to focus on as far as um, boosting our immune system, we've talked a little bit about before, so I'm just going to kind of highlight it, is the fact of hygiene, right? And we all know through the last couple of years that we've been dealing with viruses that, you know, hygiene, hygiene, hygiene. But I think there's also a point where we can push that too far. You know, we're here talking about our immune system and our immune system is there to do a job. If we are constantly washing things away, putting alcohol-based sanitizers on our skin, for instance, right? Instead of just using plain old warm water and soap, because it does the job even better than a hand sanitizer does, but soap and water will leave our microbiome that is so important on our skin to keep us protected. That is the first layer of defense on our body when it comes to hygiene to really block a lot of that bad bacteria. So I, I know I've seen a lot, um, we've all seen a lot of, you know, infections increasing, you know, after we went through the couple of years of lockdown and everybody was coming out of isolation and everything. And it's because we didn't have that constant um, training for our immune system of these different bacteria and viruses that our body is constantly fighting off. Um, when it comes to things like, like masks and using the hand sanitizer and everything, you are depleting your body of the training that it needs for that immune system. You are constantly bombarded by millions of different bacteria and millions of different viruses, many that aren't even known yet. And your body has done its job since the day you were born to efficiently fight those off. So it is a a big testament to the fact that when we take care of our immune system, it will do the job that it needs to do. When we stop um, you know, interrupting it, it's going to do the job that it needs to do. It's been a test of time. You know, it's it's really gone through the gamut and it the immune system has always won. So we come into a space of, you know, when we need to supplement, right? When we need a little extra help for our immune system, what do we do? You know, how do we, how do we focus on that? How do we know what to choose when it comes to supplementation? How do we know, um, you know, are there tests for these different things? So let's, let's talk about that for just a few minutes before we kind of close this section, this whole um, episode out. Yeah. One of the big tests that everybody should be getting at least once a year, um, definitely once a year is vitamin D, you know, with us going back to the fact that we're inside more, we're working at our desks more, we're not getting outside, getting that sunshine, you know, God gave us vitamin D from the sun for our benefit to help us to help build our immunity. He cares very much about our health and being in in good health and mind, body, soul, and spirit. So vitamin D is often very overlooked, surprisingly. I'm not really sure why. I'm still kind of scratching my head on that one. Um, doctors will say that the insurance company won't cover it. Doctors will say you don't 
you know, you're okay. You know, I think you're all right. Or you get the test done and it comes back and they say that you're within the range. Well, the problem is what a conventional range for vitamin D is that's different from what a functional or holistic range would be. So for conventional range, I believe it's somewhere like 30 to 100. That's a pretty wide range there. I've had clients come to me where they were at 26 and their doctor said that they were fine, but they're exhausted. They're not sleeping well. They're having a hard time recovering from a cold. So there's definite reasons why we need to be elevating our vitamin D. And so I, I highly recommend getting tested for vitamin D as a baseline. Um, of course, there's B vitamins as well. But, um, you know, some symptoms of vitamin D deficiency just real quick can be fatigue and just low, low energy, just no energy at all. And just um, not sleeping well and pain and just so many different uh, symptoms of vitamin D deficiency that kind of mimic others. But it's a good idea to go ahead and get that tested. And, you know, again, get out in the sunshine. That's the easiest, cheapest way to get your vitamin D. You want 20 minutes at minimum of sun to skin contact. And um, if if you're darker skin, you'd want 40 more to 40 minutes of that sun to skin contact, but we should be getting outside. A lot of what we're talking about is helping our whole body. So if we're getting outside at lunchtime to walk, you know, we're getting the brain body benefits. We're getting more alert. We're helping our nervous system. We're helping our immune system. So really pulling it all together is even if you just did one thing, it's going to be a great benefit. And don't forget to mention um, having no sunglasses. Don't wear sunglasses when you're out in the sun because you're, the yes. sun is actually coming through your eyes. Yes. It's so important. So if you have sunglasses on, you're not going to get the full benefits. And I also think that um, a vitamin D test is probably less than $100 even if you were to have oh, to pay for yeah. it out of your pocket. 45. So, I think yeah. last I checked for a client, it was like 45. Okay. Super reasonable. And yeah. you don't have to fight. You don't have to fight with the insurance company. Because exactly. the insurance companies want to dictate what you can and cannot get. And that's ridiculous. You are your own best advocate. And retesting after you, you know, do that, Michelle, and you, you know, get your vitamin D and then obviously retesting to see yes. what happened to your vitamin D levels. Because sometimes Absolutely. it can, can um, supplement and it, it does go up and it can go up more than you necessarily need. So it's it's good to retest. And the, I always, when clients come to me with a, a low vitamin D, let's say they did have a doctor check it, I immediately explain the whole gut connection with it. Because if they're not absorbing their nutrients in their gut because their gut is leaky, vitamin D is going to be one of the things they're not absorbing, you know? And so sometimes it's not necessarily you got to pour on a bunch of supplements, but it's get your body out in the sun, get the larger parts of your body, which nobody really wants to show their belly or their back. But those are the parts that are going to absorb more than just like your face in the wintertime and stuff like that. And I even suggest to clients, you know, we're, we're in this, this society that wants us to have sunscreen on all of the time. And, and I tell people, wait 20 to 40 minutes, 20, 30 minutes before you put that sunscreen on and allow yourself to get the vitamin D that you need for that day before you slather all of that on. Um, so very, very important there. So yeah. What a, I wanted to mention the uh, benefits of berries as far as this, there are some protective factors. They have that astaxanthin in them. And I found that they're very good in terms of uh, 
the sun protection. Absolutely. Because mm -hmm. it's a, the antioxidants and the more antioxidants mm -hmm. you have in your body, the more your body is going to be able to naturally fight any damage that you would normally get from the sun. Absolutely. Thank you for teaching me how to say that word because I have that in my regime and I didn't, I never was well, able to say it properly. I think I got lucky this time. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And for all of our listeners, I just want to let you know that we have um, a little PDF that you can grab from us. Um, it is in the link for the show notes for this audio podcast. And it's also a link in the description for the video portion of this podcast, if you happen to be watching and listening. So you can go grab that. And we've got a lot of um, recommendations in there for you, as well as some recommended tests that you should consider, um, whether you go to your doctor for it or you do it yourself. There's many states, um, all except for two or three, that you can actually take your own health into your control and order your own labs um, and pay for them. And they're at a much cheaper cost. You can even send in receipts for reimbursement to your insurance company um, in most cases. So take a look at that resource um, before you leave listening to this podcast for sure. So I really, I want to talk about just um, uh, one or two more things, you know, right now we're in a society where I know when we were younger, we didn't, we didn't, we can look back and say this wasn't really a major problem, but we're in a society where we have vaccines and they are the cornerstone of modern healthcare, right? And there is a huge push to use just vaccines to protect the immune system. And I think one of the biggest things that we saw during the last couple of years with the virus that we experienced is there was no education as far as the immune system, what it does, how we can supplement, how we can boost our immune system through food and exercise and all the things that we've talked about here today. Um, and yet it is the most important thing to do for our bodies. So how can we empower individuals listening and watching today uh, to make informed decisions while navigating this huge complex landscape of the allopathic medicine healthcare system over when it comes to vaccination and the pharmaceuticals that are being pushed on them all the time and all of the fear mongering that honestly is has been going on for for several years. Okay, number one, turn off the TV. Number two, get linked up and connected with people that are in the uh, alternative, quote unquote, alternative health space. So to get their viewpoints and um, get another side of it, right? Mm -hmm. Just to, to see. It's kind of like buying a car. I mean, if you go into the car dealership, that car salesman is going to try to sell you that car, right? And he's going to have all the reasons why you should buy that car and all the bells and whistles. And you kind of have to sift through it and hopefully do your homework and go to a um, non-sales kind of source of what's good about that car, what's not good about that car. Um, and I know that's kind of trivial comparing our health to a car, but the reality is, is you have to invest time into the decisions that you make when it comes to what you put in your body, in your body, on your body, what you let yourself hear and see and the people you surround yourself with, you know, it's that education. You know, if you're going to spend $50,000 on a car, you're not just going to hand the money over. You want to make sure you've done the research. You've had the education and making sure that that is exactly the car that's going to fit you, fit your family. If you're you know, searching for a car for your teenager who just started driving, right? It becomes even more important. So really, 
just focusing on the education um, portion of everything, taking back control, advocating for yourself and taking responsibility yes. for your own health. Yep. That's it. That's responsibility. We all have a responsibility and, you know, we all being our own best advocate for our health and then for that of our family, that involves intentionality. We have to be intentional. We have to be disciplined and we have to do the research ourselves. You know, I tell people, don't just take my word for it. Do your own research. You know, here are some, you know, reputable links. And I know that we'll be doing this as well, that you can dive into yourself, but you have to take control and you have to do the work because otherwise you're just you're just taking in information that's somebody else's opinion and that could steer you down the wrong path. Kathy, you wanted to pop in and say something. Yeah, well, when Bobby was talking, um, it reminded me of when I purchased a car a few years ago. I went and got a consumer reports. Yep. You know the you know and, and figured out which car was the best one. You know had the you know best reviews on it. I mean, even when we buy something on Amazon, we're looking at the reviews, right? Mm -hmm. So why not do the same thing for your health choices? Absolutely. Even the safety testing, right? I remember when my kids were little. Mm -hmm. I was obsessed with the NHTSA safety testing and I would pour, you know, have like three or four cars. I was comparing it. I would go through and find out all the crash test results. So, I mean, safety testing for whatever they're trying to push, right? You need to look right. into that and look at other sources, not just the source Absolutely. that they're, they're giving us. Absolutely. And comparison is the thief of joy. So if you're going to compare your healthcare to your neighbor or your family member or whoever, we're, we all have bioindividuality and we're all different and mm -hmm. you have to make your choice based on your intuition and all the things that make you individual and your health issues, Absolutely. right? Everyone yeah. has different health issues. Absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the, the primary things that I want to get across to our audience here is we are not a, a huge, you know, anti-vaxxer community. Okay. We're not against vaccines. They, everything in the, in the modern healthcare system, has its place and it has its use. Our modern healthcare system is more like a health, uh, like a sick care system today. And it's very profit driven in every avenue that you, that you look at it. It has, so it has no longer become a healthcare system. It's just that sick care system. And so we've hit that point where you have to advocate for yourself. You have to do the research. You have to team up with people who understand some of the things that maybe you don't. Um, I know as health coaches, we all looked into a lot of what was coming out, a lot of what was being pushed. A lot of us had research that had been out there for years whether it was in regards to vaccines, to masks, to the immune system, to hygiene, we knew what was there, we knew what worked. A lot of us have alternative, um, you know, education in herbal medicine, homeopathy, you know, all of these different realms of the holistic wellness sphere, and to be able to put our heads together and come back with those critical thinking skills that are missing so much in today's society. Ask questions. Don't ever be afraid to ask questions. Don't ever be afraid to stand up for what you truly believe, regardless of what the masses are pushing, regardless of what society says you have to do. Everyone is an individual. Everyone has individual needs, whether it is their health, whether it is their lifestyle, their nutrition, 
the home they live in, the car they drive, how they, you know, discipline their kids, how they raise their kids, the schools that they send their kids. Everybody has individual needs and that should absolutely come first. And that is the most important thing in advocating for yourself in all of those different areas. Do the research, be educated. Don't let the media educate you because 90% of the time they're wrong. It's all fear mongering and they get paid a lot of money to do it. Absolutely. Yes, critically thinking. Oh yes, yeah, for, sure. for sure. And then and just people. respect other people, you know? Yes. Respect other people's choices and don't be, you don't need to judge them and I don't want them judging me. Absolutely. And I think, you know, that that is so prevalent right now when we talk about the topic of masks. If you want to wear one, if you feel better, if it makes you feel better, fantastic. I don't think any of us would fault you for that. But if you know that it's not going to do much good, that it's only going to harbor bacteria and fungus and viruses that you're going to be breathing in and making your health worse, like a lot of us understand with research-based facts, scientific facts, and we choose not to, if we're not judging you, don't judge someone else who isn't either. Again, it's an individual choice. Everybody has an individual choice, whether it is it comes to mass, whether it comes to pregnancies, whether it comes to the foods we eat, everything. It's all personal to us. And we have a right to make the choices that are right for us, regardless of what anybody else should think. I think the problem is when you, I think everyone would respect that, until the stores, the doctor's offices, the, the hospitals all make their rules, right? And if you don't follow it based on what you personally believe, then the people who do follow it start judging. And it's just this vicious cycle, I think. And, it, and it, we need to turn that around. Mm -hmm. And like you said, have respect for other people's choices. And when we mm -hmm. have respect for other people's choices, that snowball effect turns itself around. And right. that snowball starts to unravel. And then we start seeing, you know, a society that is respectful and can flow in continuity and and be a much happier place for sure. So, all right. So as we wrap up today's very insightful discussion that we have all had, you know, it's clear that nurturing our immune system requires a multifaceted approach that goes beyond any quick fixes, right? So remember that your health is in your hands. And before we go, I'd like to leave you with a call to action. Um, take a moment to reflect on your immune health journey and consider one small step that you can take today to support it. And, you know, it maybe change something once a week as you move forward and you start making things a new habit. For more empowering conversations like we've had today, um, be sure to subscribe to Wellness Wisdom Podcast and join us on our mission to discover a path to lasting well-being. Our North Star tip for today is, you know, you are responsible for your own health. Be your own advocate. Educate yourself regardless of the push from society to follow the masses. You do you what's right for you. Have a great day, everyone. We hope you have a wonderful week and we will talk with you soon.